The wait is over. It's here. My new book, Metabolic Autophagy, is now out, and you can get it on Amazon. This episode is the book launch livestream I had on my YouTube channel, and we're going to talk about a lot about fasting and autophagy. If you haven't already, then I would greatly appreciate it if you could get the book on Amazon and also leave a review. It's going to help a lot with the rankings and boosts the initial launch. So, let's begin the show. Do you want to know what it is? Body, Mind, Empowerment. Get stronger, faster, smarter, quicker, friendlier, more helpful, more driven. Everything the body needs. Control your mind. Like I said, today's live stream is quite special. I launched my new book on Amazon called Metabolic Autophagy. And it is quite like a master's guide to doing intermittent fasting for both longevity as well as performance. And it teaches you a lot of these different, not only like, you know, best practices of how to do it to the best way for particular goals, but also like teaches you the context and the general kind of gu guidelines for applying these same principles to any kind of situation. And I think that that's one of the most critical parts of any nutrition plan or any, any nutritional advice or health advice out there, because... Uh, the, the body is quite complex and um, everything you consume, every like activity you do, they're going to have like a completely different metabolic response based upon your general con metabolic conditions or what you did the previous day, what you did that particular day, what kind of fuel substrates are floating in your bloodstream at that moment. And yeah, like what you're going to do afterwards as well. So it's really quite a quite a quite an in-depth uh, guide to knowing the inner workings of your metabolism and how to optimize them for your particular goals. So yeah, if you're watching this, then let me know where you're watching this from and start popping in some questions that I'm going to answer regarding, you know, general advice about intermittent fasting or keto or, or something, something along those lines. And we'll start rolling. But before I do that, I may also browse through a bit through my book i'm going to read the back section of uh, the book so metabolic autophagy is a collection of guidelines about the principles of the body's anabolic catabolic cycles in regards to nutrition and exercise the word metabolism means change and it describes the collection of all the life-sustaining chemical reactions inside the organism autophagy translates from ancient greek into self-devouring or eating of self the process of autophagy entails your healthy cells devouring the old, worn-out, weak ones and converting them back into energy. There are so, essentially, the entire concept of um, doing intermittent fasting or the, in the entire concept of metabolic autophagy circles around optimizing the process of autophagy at some particular moments of the day while at the same time being mindful of uh, the other side of the coin namely like anabolism and making sure that you don't <laughs> you, that you don't overdo autophagy because autophagy is like a those specific thing you don't want to have too much autophagy and but you necessarily don't want to have too little autophagy either so the best optimal dose is somewhere in the middle and uh, what your optimal dose for for that middle is it's going to depend again like uh, on your general metabolic health and uh, nutritional status and what kind of a diet you follow and how often you fast and what kind of exercise you do and and so on so the book itself will teach you a lot of the 
same principles of that and, and making sure that you don't accidentally you know jeopardize your longevity just because uh, you're becoming too biased towards being autophagic all the time or you're fasting too much in a sense you, you want to make sure that you actually build muscle as well because muscle is incredibly vital for longevity and it actually helps you to be healthier and it's going to increase your health span not just like your lifespan uh, an increased health span means that you're going to maintain your vitality throughout the uh, later parts of your life so to say that you don't get hospitalized and suffer from some sort of uh, neurodegenerative diseases or something like that so uh, that's why you have to be mindful about making sure that you still stimulate mTOR and uh, be anabolic great i'm gonna pick the first question does hit exercise speed up aging mm, well not not necessarily uh depends upon like the intensity and depends upon how frequently you do it in general uh doing high intensity interval training is pretty good for uh, longevity and it's going to boost like growth hormone and it's going to basically like help you to burn fat while at the same time not wearing down your joints as much like compared to hours and hours of cardio then hit is definitely more uh, effective you're going to gain more you're going to gain more benefits from less time in terms of both fat loss as well as like a growth hormone surge uh, but it's not. It, it can only accelerate aging if it becomes like an additional stressor. So if you stimulate your sympathetic nervous system too much, or if you do hit too often without recovering from it, then that's going to essentially. It's. I, I wouldn't imagine that it's going to accelerate aging that much, but it would be simply like you're gonna feel more worn out all the time, and that in turn may damage your mitochondria, and uh, that may in, in some indirect way and kind of damage your longevity but in general hit is is a really good thing for uh it has like anti-aging benefits because of the growth hormone surge and i would say that doing hit consistently maybe like once a week what once a week would be like the minimal dose and then that's going to be pretty good uh for uh, if you do it for the like rest of your life once a week of some hit cardio for maybe only like ten, five to fifteen minutes, that's gonna be pretty good. I myself do. Uh, I myself do mainly like Tabata type of hit cardio, of doing thirty seconds full out, resting ten seconds, and I repeat it for like eight to ten sets. And the exercises I usually do are like maybe burpees or kettlebell swings or like some plyometric jumps or sprinting those are the best best ones that i find or those are the ones i can do like at home very easily next question would you would you say doing slow cardio for hours promotes autophagy uh yes it will so to say that uh, cardio itself will deplete like your liver glycogen and uh, it will stimulate the other pathways that will in turn like activate autophagy as well like it it can uh, promote ketosis and it can promote ampk so uh, if you do it cardio for hours especially in a faster state then that's going to enable you to tap into the kind of fat burning zone faster and it will also enable you to tap into the autophagic zone faster so there's actually a study that yeah that uh, doing cardio slow in, low intensity cardio in a faster state 
activates these genes related related to autophagy much faster which is a video that i'm going to publish next week as well so check it out <laughs> fasting since friday night to get into ketosis eat today or wait till monday well depends on your kind of goals and what you're trying to do with it if you're trying to lose weight then i would go for I would go for like a longer like if you don't feel any hunger or you don't feel like passing out your sleep isn't isn't uh, wrecked then you can safely continue the fast and it's not gonna like damage you you, you will simply burn more calories uh, but if you're trying to maybe build muscle or something then uh, maybe just fasting for three days is already good enough because uh, yeah it's gonna you if you fast too long too often then you're definitely not going to build muscle with that so you have to kind of simply know what kind of a phase you're in in your nutrition so to say what kind of a cycle uh during the year you are uh, like is it is it like a muscle building phase is it a fat loss phase is it a autophagy phase so yeah i would i would maybe go for go for monday or have a have some meal today depending on how you feel Congratulations on your new book. When will the hard copy be available? The uh, the Kindle version is already out, and the paperback version should also go live, maybe like within a few hours. Then the hardcover will probably be published within the next few weeks, and the audio version will also be maybe like next next few weeks. So you can expect that. But yeah, you don't you don't necessarily have to have the Kindle. Uh, to read the ebook you can read any ebook uh, on the amazon app even on your mobile phone or laptop and if you have already published like already uh, several hundreds of people have already pre-ordered the book and they're reading it right now so uh if you have purchased it then i would appreciate it if you could leave a review that's going to help to boost rankings because we're f we're competing in the same category as uh, walter longo's the longevity diet book <laughs> so uh at the moment uh walter longo's book is number two in the bestseller list of biochemistry science and we are at number four so we probably may potentially snap his position if uh, a few guys that you help help us out number one is this book called deep medicine which i haven't heard about but yeah <laughs> it would be great if we could uh uh, beat Walter Longo's book to share some good information about uh, fasting for not only autophagy but also fasting for uh, muscle growth and muscle maintenance. Because I, I, not that I have anything against Walter Longo. I think he's an amazing researcher and he's done amazing, amazing things for fasting, making it more popular. And is I think like the fasting mimicking diet is also like applicable to some situations. But at the same time, I think like he may be too he may be missing a few boats in terms of muscle growth and not realizing the importance of it so uh yeah my book will definitely include more about uh, muscle and anabolism and actually refuting a lot of the myths about mTOR and IGF1 and all those things so check it out uh can you give some info on refeeding syndrome and how to recover from it? That's a that's actually one of those questions I made a video about today, but the video is going to be published maybe like next week. 
So the basically a refeeding syndrome, it has like two aspects to it, mainly that um, if you start to eat after breaking a fast or after you've been malnourished for a certain period of time, then your body will hold on to a lot of more water and it's going to store more more calories as fat directly because of it's like detecting the sort of a starvation signal. And the reason it happens is because of insulin uh, shuttles. Insulin is like the storage hormone that shuttles nutrients into cells. And uh, during starvation or during malnourishment, or it, like coincides with like a very longer fast as well, then your body, your bloodstream will, will become depleted of certain minerals and electrolytes like magnesium, potassium, sodium, and phosphorus. So if you start eating on like high insulin foods, if you spike your insulin immediately after breaking the fast, then insulin is going to shuttle the remaining bits of those minerals into the cells as well. And that's going to deplete the blood from it. And that, that may lead to like additional deficiencies from those minerals and the way it kind of manifests itself is like water retention water retention as well as like getting a huge binge eating response or getting a huge cravings so the way you prevent that is to make sure that you don't become depleted or deficient of those minerals during the fast already so that's why adding a little bit of salt into your water adding some maybe potassium chloride, taking like a magnesium supplement during longer fasts is a good idea to prevent this sort of a refeeding syndrome. And it's also going to help you to keep your electrolyte imbalances in check. So yeah, check out like maybe uh, you, there are so certain electrolyte powders that you can add like uh, Cole, Cole Robinson's snake, snake juice powder is pretty good, I would imagine, without any artificial sweeteners or any flavorings. And that's going to be pretty, pretty decent for getting all of the daily electrolytes, I would imagine. I haven't tried it, but, you know, he, he, I, 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 I think that he kind of has a quality product. Uh, next question. Does gut health and systemic inflammation affect autophagy? Well, certainly, like, if your gut is messed up or if you have like some sort of dysbiosis then or if you're very inflamed then it would take like a longer time for you to go into autophagy because your body will have to deal with the inflammation first before it can kind of do some serious housekeeping and fasting longer fasts can help with reducing that inflammation uh, as well as like healing some of the gut but uh, at the same time fasting may also uh, prevent the clearance of certain bacteria in your gut. So it requires more in-depth kind of uh, inquiry about your gut panel and making sure that uh, you, I would maybe start off with some sort of um, antibacterial cleanse with these different uh, herbs and spices that, are, that, can heal, that can eliminate these parasites like uh, rosemary, turmeric, ginger, uh, berberine, shilajit, those sorts of things. Consuming them maybe like for a few days and then going for a longer fast, that can be, uh, can, that can maybe potentially sidestep it. I prefer the audio version, please link. Yeah, the audio version is going to come out maybe like a few weeks or maybe next week. Not sure how, how uh, fast the uh, audible team is going to process it but as soon as they process it then you can expect to expect it to go live 
Is it okay to do IF workout in the morning? Oh no, I lost. Break the fast in the evening. Uh, yeah, it, it is okay, but the problem with that is that um, if you work out in the morning and then you fast throughout the next day, then you're, you're going to be more catabolic just because of not having nutrients in your system post-workout. So the best... Uh, it is, you know, quite easy to fast after a workout for a, a few hours, but maybe beyond four to six hours, then you're not really going to gain a lot of like muscle building benefits. If your goal is pure fat loss, then it is quite convenient to fast post-workout as well, because you will experience a bigger surge of growth hormone as well. Uh, but um, if your goal is to build muscle or maintain muscle, then it's not not the ideal situation. I would always prefer to keep the workouts around breaking the fast, so to say, that you work out and maybe wait at maximum like two hours and then break the fast. So, so you would have like a, you would get access to nutrients as soon as possible after after working out. Because it will like promote better body composition, and uh, it's gonna prevent like muscle loss. So me personally, I wait maybe like uh, sixty to ninety minutes after working out. So I actually finished my workout like uh, an, a half an hour ago. So I'm gonna finish the live stream and then I'll eat something. <laughs> Do, do, do. I've been looking forward to this book, Love Your Research. Thank you. Yeah, I've been do. I've been um, looking forward to it as well. But uh, the the, the kind of the knowledge or the information that I've put into there has been um, gathered over the course of maybe like a year or something like that. Uh, but uh, I wrote the book in um, in in the fall of last year. Will the giveaway hard copy book from Instagram be autographed? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't checked out, then uh, I had a giveaway of the book as well on Insta Instagram. My Instagram is Seamlund. If you want to join in. Why would a person get a pressure sinus type headache while fasting with salts? It's not detox or high blood pressure. Well, maybe like it's it's probably like due to some magnesium deficiencies. Usually magnesium deficiencies cause headaches and you don't get like a bunch of magnesium from regular salt or, or pink Himalayan rock salt. You would have to take like magnesium uh, chloride or something, another supplement. What's your favorite go-to Oman meal? Uh, well, my my kind of go-to meals are usually uh, some some eggs and uh, some meat and vegetables. That's basically what I've been eating for Oman <laughs> for maybe like two years. Not not every day, but usually, yeah. Like I have I have maybe four. Four to four eggs at minimum, and on some days, if I have like a harder workout, then I'll maybe increase the eggs up to eight eggs. Or if I don't eat that much meat, then I'll even have like ten eggs. But yeah, usually some eggs and some meat or fish or chicken. 
but at the same time, if I'm having like a carb refeed, then I won't have the eggs. And in that case, I want I will have like maybe some potatoes, some tubers, and rice with little to no uh, like uh, fats. Very like basically as little fat as possible, and just some lean protein, maybe like a chicken breast or some lean fish. Like a few days ago, I had a carb 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 refeed, and I had a bunch of potatoes, some beetroot, some carrots, uh, cooked in the oven. And next to that, I had like uh, heart, beef heart, which is like a lean type of protein, but it has plenty of, you know, micronutrients, coenzyme CoQ10 and uh, really nutrient dense. So I still got a bunch of like uh, animal protein, uh, but, uh, but it was like lean. I didn't cause any like conflicting metabolic responses by combining fats and uh, carbs. So if I'm having carbs, then I don't want to have like eggs or or some sort of steak or something, then I'll then I'll keep the protein lean. But on a consistent basis, if I'm not carving up, then uh, I will have some eggs and some meat with some vegetables. Dr. Berry claims that stevia does break a fast, but butter doesn't. What do you think about that? Well, uh, I would say that stevia doesn't really well it may spike insulin just because of the sweetness and uh, the taste stimulation is going to stimulate certain gut receptors in your gut which will spike insulin uh, but it doesn't have like any calories that much it may have usually one one single serving of stevia has like you know four calories or something and uh I would say that that's not going to be like a huge difference depending on when you take the stevia. If you take the stevia right in the morning after just an overnight fast, then it will probably, you know, spike insulin and break you break the fast state, but you will probably go back into the fast state within a few hours or something. And if you maybe fast for a bit longer and you stay active throughout the day, you move around, go for longer walks and even exercise, then that stevia doesn't really have like any any significant effect on the fast state, I would imagine. Uh, my, I myself don't prefer to have any sweeteners in my coffee or something. Uh, and I wouldn't take like these uh, electrolyte powders with sweeteners either, because they will probably inhibit or they may interfere with some of the kind of autophagic processes, especially like in the gut. But in terms of butter, then butter definitely like breaks a fast <laughs> because it has more calories. And it will, it won't spike insulin and it won't raise your blood sugar, but at the same time, it can still elevate like mTOR in terms of nutrient signaling. Like uh, mTOR isn't just affected by amino acids or glucose, it's also affected by general calories. And uh, if you, if your body detects more calories from whatever source it may be, then it's going to shift your body into an anabolic state, so to say, and it's gonna break the fast but um depending on how much butter you put into the coffee or if how much butter you consume as well because let's say just like 20 calories of butter or 50 calories of butter that's probably not it's not going to have any effect but if you consume like over 100 calories of butter or up to 500 calories of butter then it's like a significant source of calories and that's going to break the fast so it's always a matter of the amounts you consume, 
what's your general metabolic status at that particular moment and what's the kind of nutrient signaling. If you consume that butter after having moved around and have, after having burned some calories, then again, it's, it's your body is in a more deeper hole, so to say. It's, it's in a more deeper energy deficit and that's going to be, it's going to create a bigger buffer zone where you can get away with consuming some calories. In general, maybe like 10 calories or 20 calories is not going to break break a fast state, in my opinion. As long as you put it into use, so to say, and you still kind of move around. Doo, doo, doo. My ketones reached 6.8 on a recent seven-day fast. How high until ketoacidosis? Well, ketoacidosis uh, usually happens only in like diabetes or alcohol poisoning where you have concurrent level concurrently you have high levels of ketones as well as high levels of glucose so if your ketones are super high like 6.0 millimoles but your blood glucose is really low then you don't have to then you don't have to worry about it uh, but at the same time it may be a sign of your body becoming too acidic so to lower your ketones or lower your acidity then you can take some baking soda in your water and that would probably take care of it. Maybe just have like one teaspoon of baking soda. And that's going to um, make you more alkaline again and lower the pH. Or lower, maybe lower the ketones. Also, I get achy joints joints often when deep into fast state uric acid, probably too. Any solutions you know of, appreciate it. Well, yeah, uric acid tends to be caused by inflammation. Mm, so uh, maybe, yeah, like a, a regular trying to fast for more frequently can also help with that. And also doing some sort of uh, other, let's say, low, in, r lowering infl inflammation through other means, like taking a sauna or doing some foam rolling, that can help, I would imagine. But yeah, it's mainly like diet-related. What you're actually eating when you don't fast, that would be quite a significant thing to look at. Your opinion on carbs and inflammation... Well, depends on what type of carbs you're consuming. Like, uh, it's not that the carbs or the glucose itself causes inflammation. It's generally related to other nutrients combined with the carbs. For instance, like, you know, gluten or grains, they cause inflammation not because of the carbs or the glucose, but because of the phyt phytic acid or the phytates and the gluten and such. So generally, regular like uh, whole food carbs like potatoes or uh, some tubers or fruit, they don't really cause inflammation uh, unless you have like some sort of yeah messed up gut or uh, unless you have some sort of genetic predisposition to not being able to metabolize those carbs. But you know, excessive excessive amounts of carbs can still cause like some inflammation or they may produce some advanced glycation in products if you consume too much carbs, especially like fructose. If you if you consume too much fructose beyond your liver's, liver's uh, capacities, then that may simply cause like an overspill effect and that those carbs will 
probably get converted to triglycerides and that may simply cause like some inflammation and other issues but in general in most cases uh, health, whole food whole food carbs aren't like a big issue unless you combine them together with a bunch of fats and a bunch of protein which may make ligate those things do, 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 do. Apple cider vinegar break a fast, and when is your book coming out paperback? Uh, apple cider vinegar, I would say that it doesn't really break a fast because you, if you if you take apple cider vinegar, then you're taking it only like one tablespoon or two tablespoons at max, and you mix it with water, so that's only like five calories or something, which is the equivalent of a cup of of a, of a cup of coffee or something, and it's not necess- It's actually stimulates some of it stimulates ketosis and it stimulates autophagy as well so uh, it's pretty okay and the only caveat is that i wouldn't take apple cider vinegar with the mother you know the bacterial strains like uh, bragg's has a lot of mother in it i wouldn't take that in a faster state because those bacteria are you know proteins floating around in the liquid so uh, that may potentially inhibit some of the autophagy, at least for a moment. So if I'm in a faster state or if I'm doing like some sort of a longer fast, then I would actually take the apple cider vinegar without the mother, like the distilled version. You're still going to stimulate ketosis and you're still going to, you know, eliminate some of the bad bacteria in your gut and you're still going to suppress your appetite, but you don't take a, like a, you don't take a gambit on autophagy you still maintain autophagy and if i'm about to break a fast then i will take the apple cider vinegar with the mother for the uh, probiotics can growth hormone accelerate aging uh, not not really because the, the the name growth hormone is somewhat misleading it doesn't make you grow it doesn't make you it doesn't actually make you build muscle and it doesn't make you like uh it doesn't make you anabolic or it doesn't make you it doesn't accelerate aging it's more mostly like um it's it's a hormone that promotes fat loss as well as maintain lean muscle tissue so uh in general people tend to lose growth hormone they they experience decrease in growth hormone as they age because of you know lower muscle mass lower uh, physical activity and generally becoming more resistant to anabolic hormones so uh, maintaining like higher levels of growth hormone as you age is, is a better thing because you will you know sustain more muscle mass and you will be more you will have like more of these beneficial effects from anabolism and build, uh, you're able to you're able you're not going to build muscle directly but you're basically creating an anabolic environment where you may potentially experience some muscle growth as long as you consume enough of the essential nutrients and as long as you lift weights if i have somewhat elevated glucose in the morning which is 109 milligrams per deciliter after eating late night extra protein to help build lean muscle but i'm I'm still in ketosis 0.5 to 0.6 millimoles do i presume insulin is still okay so basically, you consume extra protein, and your glucose is slightly high, and ketones are still okay. 
do you have to worry about insulin if your goal is lean muscle lean muscle growth well not really because especially if you if you do say that you co consumed extra protein last night that's not going to be an issue and uh, and also if you have already fasted for maybe like 12 hours then your insulin is probably quite low as well insulin only kind of stays around the initial hours after you consume the food so it's not going to stay elevated for like <laughs> days upon end or hours and hours so it's pretty okay i would imagine and you don't really have to be worrying about that much about insulin uh that if as long as you still practice some form of intermittent fasting because i would presume that if it's the morning for you right now and you're going to continue fasting for at least a few hours more then uh, you're still going to suppress the insulin and you know using that extra protein for muscle growth is still a better trade-off because you will probably be more insulin sensitive by the evening du, 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 du. are there any good reasons people should do or not do a short 24 to 36 hour water fast is it dangerous uh well there isn't any well depends upon the person so to say if, if someone is experiencing some severe malnutrition or anorexia or uh they have maybe some sort of a disease then for them they it may not be a good idea to fast for that long or if they're like a very old person like old people they don't really need to fast or they shouldn't fast for that long but in most cases like 80 percent of the people they would still benefit a whole lot from fasting for at least 24 hours or 36 hours quite frequently and uh, yeah like all of the benefits include like increased growth hormone increased fat loss uh autophagy you know anti-aging benefits reduced inflammation all those things <laughs> and i think that uh, doing these sort of 24 to 36 hour fasts you know at least at least once a month or uh maybe every every few weeks or so is a good idea i myself do them at the moment i've been doing them for maybe every other week where i fast for like 48 hours at least and uh, actually i came off from a 72 hour fast when i returned from from los angeles during the flight so to say i didn't eat anything for three days which is like a really convenient thing there seems to be a push to ignore net carbs and focus on total carbs only thoughts well i think it's not that relevant so to say that um depends on what sources those carbs are coming from if you're eating only like vegetables then you don't really have to worry about the carbs because uh it's primarily fiber and in order to actually you know kick yourself out of ketosis or have some sort of other issues by consuming too much broccoli then you would have to consume like very much broccoli a lot of broccoli like kilos <laughs> and in most cases you know uh having just a bit of vegetables is it's it shouldn't be like an issue in so in terms of how much carbs am i consuming uh, and even if you're doing like intermittent fasting in some form, then that's also going to create a bigger buffer zone. And also, like if you're doing intermittent fasting, then you don't, you can even, you know, do a higher carb diet, like a payload type of diet, 
that includes, includes some tubers and such while still being relatively ketogenic most of the time, especially like if you're fasting. So um, you shouldn't like worry about that much. Will people lose muscle doing a short 24 to 36 hour water fast? Uh, depends on uh, their general fat adaptation or the degree of fat adaptation and uh, what kind of a diet they're coming from. I would imagine that a person who has never done uh, like a long fast and they're eating very frequently high carbs, like you know the general Western diet, then for them they will probably experience quite a lot of catabolism and they will will lose some muscle during the like a longer fast. But someone who eats moderate carbs, eats a paleo type of diet, eats a keto diet, has done some form of fasting before, at least even like the 16 and 8 type, then for them it's not an issue. They wouldn't they won't probably lose a bunch of muscle as long as they don't like go for some sort of crazy hit workout or they don't do cardio and uh, and such. Could autophagy change white gray hair? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about that. The uh, hair color is made mostly due to, or it's affected by, you know, nutrients. I'm not sure which type of nutrients, but like nutrient density, quality foods that would affect, and even like genetics as well. But autophagy wouldn't <laughs> make you make your hair grow black or go gray or something. Have you set a date for 2019 Biohackers Bootcamp? I'm really going to try to get it to this year. Yes, I have actually kind of considered having it set the plan for it. It's going to be probably in the first week of April, which is like uh, two months from now. And again, it's going to be in, in, in Estonia near Tallinn. So uh, you can probably expect to me announce it maybe like the next week or, or something so a few, in a few days. Do, 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 do. Are you eating your tubers hot or room temperature? Uh, I usually try in most cases, whenever I am having like these car refeeds with, you know, potatoes, tubers or rice or something, then I try to convert it into like resistant starch uh, and uh, usually I may cook it the night before and keep it in a cool environment over the night so but if I'm then when I'm about to eat it then it has accumulated some resistant starch which basically helps to blunt the blood sugar response as well as promote like more probiotics or you know promote uh, beneficial bacteria in your gut so if I tend to have like some carb refeeds with tubers, then I will cook it, cool it over the night, and if I'm about to eat it, then you, then I may heat it up again. That's not going to interfere with the resistant starch. Can you be in ketosis with high blood sugar? My dad is a type 2 and just did a 72-hour fast. His ketone strips were barely showing color and his fasting blood sugar was... 135 to 150 uh yes that is true like that is if your ketones are high and your blood sugar are high as well then that's ketoacidosis but like you said your ketones your your dad's ketones didn't show any color 
So it may be that you did, you weren't like in deep ketosis. You may have been in like mild ketosis, but uh, chances are, if 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 uh, he's type two diabetic, then uh, it's not necessarily like a, it wasn't enough for him to go into ketosis that fast. That's that's the problem with uh, like uh, these uh, metabolic disorders is that it's going to take longer time for them to go into ketosis. And the elevated blood sugar itself may not have been because of him being uh, type 2 diabetic, but also because of breaking down glycogen and, uh, and, and converting it into glucose, so to say, burning it for glucose. So higher blood sugar during fasting tends to be because of either breaking down glycogen, uh, it may also be because of higher cortisol, which in turn breaks down more glycogen as well as promotes gluconeogenesis so it is it is it is somewhat common to have like slightly higher levels of blood sugar during the fast uh, but i would maybe try to i would try to maybe go for a lower carb keto diet for at least a few days to uh, deplete the glycogen to lower to keep your blood sugar lower as well and then uh, try to uh, ele elevate ketones with uh, eating and then see what kind of a result are you getting. Because fasting for someone who isn't keto adapted, that may, that may cause like a higher blood sugar just because of the, just because the brain, the brain and the body aren't using ketones that efficiently yet. So in that case, actually going for a preemptive few days of eating keto is maybe like a better idea. Do, do, do. growth factors in dairy have impact on growth hormone uh, I would say that potentially yeah like dairy increases IGF-1 a little bit which uh, stimulates growth hormone and uh, yeah it can promote like it's definitely anabolic dairy products are making making cells grow and replicate and it can promote muscle tissue muscle tissue growth and it will promote some growth hormone but you know there are better ways of going about it so to say in my opinion like i'm not a, i'm not a, I, I i may consume a little bit of dairy every once in a while but it's not like my main source of food because it's not like that beneficial the macronutrient ratios aren't like a lot of they aren't like magical and you you would get better macros from something else like eggs they will eggs will make you build more muscle and uh, they will also uh, avoid like potential inflammation that you may experience from dairy but you know every once in a while some raw dairy unpasteurized dairy is okay what type of exercise is best for some during a short fast if any well uh, yeah it depends on like how short if you're doing only like a 24 hour fast or a 48 hour fast then that's a, like a short fast then uh, general calisthenics is pretty okay you can even do like heavy resistance training and that's not going to be like a huge demand on your system. You you will probably be able to do it 
Mm, but for for depends again. Yeah, why is pretty pretty damn effective for that because uh, you can do low intensity cardio or like some form of walking without jeopardizing muscle because you're like in this fat burning zone and you're burning only like exclusively your body fat with that so some form of both is like a good idea for instance when i'm doing like longer fasts then i'm still you know moving around physic being physically active like going for really long walks and i may do some some at least like a few few sets of some calisthenics some pull-ups push-ups squats but I'm not going to be trying to push it because I know I won't be like uh, being able to recover from it or I won't be able to, uh, you know, consume some nutrients. Can I eat cacao with stevia mixed in butter while on carnivore? <laughs> well, I think uh, you would have to answer some of the carnivore gurus what do they consider being carnivore. Like, you, <laughs> well, the... The thing is that uh, you can definitely do it. Like, who's going to stop you, so to say? You don't necessarily... You you never want to indoctrinate yourself into a particular kind of way of eating and kind of stick to it just because of, you know, believing in certain rules or something like that. You can do whatever the hell you want. You can eat, like, Doritos. You can eat donuts if you want. But uh, it simply has to be a matter of what kind of dietary principles you choose to follow yourself. Like a good dietary principle is that, you know, uh, I'm going to eat primarily whole foods, nutrient-dense foods. I'm going to prioritize muscle growth and I'm going to, you know, restrict my eating window. Those are certain certain principles you can, you can apply. And also, like, you can apply certain principles that, okay, I'm not going to eat grains. I'm not going to eat vegetable oils. I'm not going to eat margarine. And for instance, in your example, if you're eating the carnivore diet, then you can make the, you know, you can make the principle that you're not going to consume any cacao at all. Or you're not going to consume any stevia, but it's, a, it's, it's simply a matter of uh, your own preference. Will it affect it? Would it affect your diet in a negative way? Mm, maybe, maybe it will, because uh, if you have been on a carnivore diet for a long time, then you'll maybe potentially react negatively to the cacao or the stevia. Your 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 body will be definitely like less capable of uh, handling it. But if you if you have kept it in your diet on a consistent basis all the time, then it's probably probably okay. Following the water fast, whey protein, yes or no? Add creatine, yes or no? Uh, I would say that if you're breaking a, like a longer fast with whey protein, then that, that's not going to be like worth it uh, because uh, you would get better nutrients from like whole foods. The whey protein can be useful for spiking, you know, mTOR and uh, triggering muscle protein synthesis really rapidly after the fast. But that would depend on, like, if you worked out before breaking the fast. If you did work out before breaking the fast, then taking the whey protein can be a good idea. Uh, if you, if you're like, if your goal is to prioritize muscle growth and you really want to be anabolic, then that can be added. And adding some creatine is also uh, good because creatine is one of those few supplements that I think 
uh, almost <laughs> virtually every person can benefit from and uh, it will it, it ha not only has benefits on muscle performance but uh, as well as like memory and cognition so definitely i must i myself take maybe three to five grams of creatine every day not every day but uh, on a pretty pretty much consistent basis if if you haven't worked out before breaking the fast then i wouldn't suggest you know breaking the fast with some whey protein because your body isn't that insulin sensitive so to say your body wouldn't be wouldn't be it's 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 it would be using it for triggering mTOR but um nutrients of whey protein you you will get like leucine from eggs and some extra protein as well and they are pretty like easily and rapidly digested Red meat boosts testosterone, yes or no? Uh, yeah, I would say that uh, it would boost testosterone to a certain extent because of uh, like um, all, all the amino acids, because of the saturated fat, because of the you know um, also the other nutrients in the meat. They will help to uh, boost testosterone. How much is going to boost testosterone depends, again, on the situation, depends on the particular person and uh, how much testosterone do they already have. If your testosterone levels are already within, like, a healthy range, then I wouldn't expect, like, a huge surge in testosterone. If you're somewhat on the lower end of testosterone, then uh, having some red meat can maybe bump it up a little bit. But um, in most cases... Um, the biggest factor, in my opinion, that will affect testosterone is cortisol. And if you are stressed out, then you're probably going to suffer from some lower testosterone. And uh, sleep sleep deprivation is also another one of those things uh, that affects this. Hey, Seem. Wait, wait. I've been doing both keto and IF for a few months, and I'm actually doing a three-day fast. And I would have liked to know what are your thoughts on the muscle loss aspect on the 16th mark until 72 hours. Uh, it's it's probably insignificant in a sense that if you have already been doing keto and IF, then your body is very keto adapted, and uh, it's gonna decrease muscle catabolism. And even it's like even up to the third day of fasting, then you will be in deeper ketosis, and it's not gonna be affecting muscle uh, loss almost at all you may lose a little bit of muscle which is like natural due to like some autophagy recycling but it's basically insignificant and you will probably rebuild it really fast after you break the fast so yeah like people fearing that they're going to lose muscle while fasting it may be true to a certain extent but it can actually be like a good thing because the body will eliminate the inflammatory proteins and eliminate some inflammatory tissue from your from your system which will make you healthier which will make you more insulin sensitive which will help you to build more muscle uh, after you start eating again so what every time i have like a longer fast like 
48 hour fast or 72 hour fast or something like that then the next day after i've broken the fast then I'm, i feel like a huge boost in my performance like uh, i'm able to you know be stronger i'm able to actually see better muscle growth the following days because my body kind of resets its uh, sensitivity to protein as well as like insulin and carbs and everything so it's like a good reset button for uh, being anabolic afterwards. Da, 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 da. If someone has messed up his body with substance abuse like smoking and alcohol, is it possible to heal through fasting and autophagy? Uh, yeah, I would imagine so. Uh, there's also, you know, there's definitely the physical side of fasting that will help to heal the body and and eliminate the inflammation and uh, whatever else has me caused but there's also the psychological side where you learn to practice more self-control and self-awareness and you become more mindful about your own body and especially like the kind of addiction aspect of being addicted to certain things you once you start doing these longer fasts then uh, you become immune to most addictions almost just because you are able to abstain from certain things and you're able to practice more self-control so i would say like both physically as well as psychologically it, it can uh, help It seems to be easier to fast from 6 p.m. Sunday to 6 p.m. Monday because eight hours during sleep and too busy to eat on Monday. Yeah, like if you're like the one of the reasons people don't fast is that they have access to food all the time and they have too much free time. They get they get bored and they simply fill it up with some food and calories. So if you are really busy, if you are focusing on something, doing work, then um, from my own experience like i don't get hungry and i don't even want to eat anything because like i'm in the zone i'm doing something and i want to i want to i don't want to break the zone i don't want to break the flow with some you know distractive food or whatever else so um definitely it's actually better to fast on those days where you're more busy where you have like a filled up schedule and you don't have access to really sit down and have like a good quality meal you don't necessarily you don't definitely don't want to be eating like on the go when you're stressed out and when you're too busy because you 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 may like promote fat gain because of the elevated cortisol as well as you not going to register consciously that you ate something because you're like so busy and i would always prefer like burning extra calories uh during the fast and skipping a few meals if I know that I'm able to, you know, sit down and relax and actually enjoy the meal in the weekend or something. Uh, hey, Seem, do you fluctuate in and out of ketosis or remain strict at 50 grams of carbs with TKD or specific workouts? How long did it take you to not get hunger cravings or do you still get them? Uh I do fluctuate in and out of ketosis, definitely. Like, um, I don't count my carbs, like, specifically. I would say that out of, I would say maybe three days out of the week, I'm in really deep ketosis just because of not consuming uh, almost any carbs at all, just like a few vegetables and some sauerkraut and fermented foods, which would probably keep me around maybe like 30 grams of carbs. Then on 
on like I would say two days of the week, I would have a bit higher carbs up to like 100 grams of carbs uh, from some healthy tubers like beetroot or carrots or some fruit. Uh, then on maybe an additional one day, I may have like uh, some higher carbs like potatoes or rice, well, which would be maybe like a refit day. And on a, on the last day, I may be having like a protein, higher day of protein, which may, may be going for maybe 1.5 grams per pound of protein or something, which will still keep me in relatively good ketosis, but it's still going to raise my total carb intake for the day through gluconeogenesis, so to say. So yeah, I'm fluctuating all the time. I'm not that strict with it. And uh, I don't, I don't notice any kind of negative side effects from that and i think it's better because of like improving metabolic flexibility and uh, i don't at the moment i don't notice any hunger signalings even after having like a carb refeed and i would say that usually it happens if, if, if you kick yourself out of ketosis for like several days in a row if you eat like carbs two days in a row or three days in a row then you simply lose your keto adaptation to a certain extent and that's going to be making your body more, you know, in search of more food when you start fasting. But other than that, I don't really get like real hunger. There's a difference between simply being dehydrated or, or simply being bored or something. If I get hungry, if I get some craving, then I drink some water or make some tea or something. And it's going to usually pass. I do OM at Sunday night to Friday night, but on weekends I fast from 8 p.m. till noon the following day. Is this good or should I be doing OM at seven days a week? Um, no, not like uh, I would say it is a good idea to have some fluctuations in your eating window, like uh, to prevent metabolic adaptation and to keep your body guessing a little bit. Uh, Doing OMAD seven days a week is okay, but uh, I would say that it is a good idea to have to extend your eating window by a few hours on some days. So if you're doing OMAD all the time, then maybe two times a week, do the either the 16 and 8 fasting, have two meals, or do the warrior diet where you have two meals within maybe like five hours or something. It's simply gonna, you know, break the pattern a little bit and it can help you to uh, still keep keep it consistent. You can still do OMAD seven days a week and uh, avoid the metabolic adaptation by increasing your calories for those days, for uncertain days. But yeah, th there's different ways of kind of playing around with it. Do you change your diet during the seasons? Uh, not a lot because... Uh, I would I would say that the seasonal aspect is only it it doesn't really matter that much it matters only like on a daily basis so to say um the seasonal aspect is that on certain periods of the year you would eat higher carbs and on certain periods you would eat like a keto template with with low carbs uh but uh, the reason you would want to follows a certain seasonal aspect is that you would avoid this conflicting metabolic reaction so to say that you want to avoid combining fats and carbs and you you don't necessarily have to do it on like a monthly basis of i'm not going to eat any carbs for an entire month 
you can do the same principle on a like a weekly basis or a daily basis okay on this day i'm gonna eat carbs i'm gonna mimic like a fruit i'm gonna mimic like a seasonal aspect of summer and autumn i'm gonna have higher carbs with lower fat and on the second day i'm gonna have like a winter season i'm gonna eat uh, low carb high fat and uh, getting more protein and such so uh, you can fluctuate it based upon like on a daily basis the main message is to simply not combine fats and carbs your body will adapt to it on a like a daily basis and a weekly basis so you don't have to like okay this is the winter months it's february at the moment i'm not gonna eat any fruit at all because in nature you don't have fruit especially in like the nordic climate so to say uh you can still eat fruit but make sure that you don't combine it with keto foods and with uh like a bunch of fats and such so keeping the carbs and fats separate is a good idea it's the best best kind of is one of the most important uh, core principles of any healthy diet in my opinion because the fats and carbs together simply spike your insulin and you're going to store all of those fats as as fat <laughs> really fast How to prevent using protein or burning muscle when doing fasted hit or training while not being keto? Uh, well, the best way of going about it is to, you know, build up your keto adaptation to, uh, you know, at least practice some form of intermittent fasting and go through like a shorter period of keto adaptation. Uh, but if you are like not keto adapted yet, then taking some BCAs is okay. The BCAs will protect against muscle catabolism, and some of the BCAs can also be converted into ketones. So, for anyone who isn't doing a keto diet or who isn't keto adapted yet, then using some BCAs is actually a smart idea if you're working out fasted and doing some form of HIT cardio. If uh, you have eaten something before that has had some protein, then you don't have to take BCAs because those. Those BCAs will be floating in your bloodstream coming from the food that you ate. Uh, okay, we crossed the one hour mark and I'm going to finish the live stream. If I'm going to ask like a last question. And again, I'm going to remind you that the book is out, Metabolic Autophagy, get it on Amazon. And if you have already purchased it, then I would appreciate if you could leave a review. We're about to pass Walter Longo's The Longevity Diet and uh, it would be quite cool if we could hit the bestseller ranking for for the category and that's going to be cool I'm going to pick my last question and then I'll finish the live stream do, 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 do. should you eat more carbs the day before hit or weight training I do IF 16 and 8 hours uh, you don't necessarily have to but um, if you fill up your glycogen the night before by eating some carbs and then working out heavy the next day, then you may potentially experience some increase in performance. You will definitely have like more glycogen to burn through and you may experience like a better pump at the gym. Uh, but at the same time, it can be like a trade-off. If you have too many carbs, then you may feel like lethargic as well. So you have to kind of find your sweet spot of how many carbs you can consume the night before and how how well are you going to feel the day afterwards if you're consuming carbs on a like a consistent basis all the time without eating a keto diet then um, 
you can probably carve up really heavy because your body is already used to burning carbs. But uh, the, the problem is that if people do keto and then they carve up, then in most cases they will feel quite bad, lethargic and tired the day afterwards. But again, you have to find your sweet spot of how well your body can tolerate those carbs. All right, that's it for this episode of the Body, Mind and Apartment podcast. If you want to support us, then I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes and the other social media platforms. You can now order my new book, Metabolic Autophagy, that covers a lot of the same topics that we talked in here. It's a collection of certain lifestyle habits and practices that prioritize longevity as well as performance. To support this podcast, you can also become a Patreon and get exclusive video lectures from my biohacking bootcamp that covers circadian rhythms, intermittent fasting, autophagy, resistance training, biofeedback, and many more. But other than that, my name is Seem. Stay tuned for the next episode. Stay empowered.